Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale for your next project this summer, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, we are giving away 100 bucks to Optimum Golf. You can find them in Park Hill or in Rhino. You can use that 100 bucks for whatever you want to. Maybe you want to get custom fit, custom-built clubs. You can use it for that. Uh, you can also use it with their award-winning pros, specifically Kyle, who teaches my daughter. Maybe you want to hit one of those virtual bays and play courses all over the country. That would be a total hoot. I've done it in the past. You can do that for a couple of hours. So, so many things to do. Fine-tune your game for this upcoming summer at Optimum Golf. First callers getting 100 bucks to go there, 303-831-1340, 303-831-1340, and book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Time now for the buzz, or the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch <coughs> Casino and Blackhawk. Okay, very, very happy and thrilled to be introducing Cody Rourke, the newest Broncos analyst for Mile High Sports. He's also our insider as well. Spent the last couple of years with the Pro Football Network. Welcome to the team, Cody. Hey, thank you so much, guys. I'm super grateful to be a part of Mile High Sports. And uh, just crazy uh, thinking back when I first moved to Colorado and Mile High Sports is one of the first outlets I turned into in terms of radio, the magazine, you know, very glad now to be working alongside all of you and uh, can't wait to get started. Well, you're going to start right now. A lot of people have been giving their opinions about the draft. I saw an NFL network. Uh, one analyst gave the Broncos an A. I saw other analysts absolutely trash the Broncos draft. Where are you? You know, I'm kind of in between. I'm in the middle here. And the reason I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of outrage. I think when you don't have a first-round pick, uh, in the draft anytime, there's definitely a lot of people that kind of miss out on They think that there's a lot of luxury to be had, especially when you have a round one pick. But I, I like the direction the Broncos went right now with the roster that they currently have. Now, I think everything will be determined once we see these players play, and I think the real grades will probably come out in the next couple of years to see what impact these guys have. But looking at Nick Benito out of Oklahoma, you know, for him, he's coming into a, you know an edge rusher room that features Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, who's expected to be ready for the regular season after undergoing arthroscopic shoulder surgery. But then you have a room of Malik Reed. You have Jonathan Cooper, who was surprising last year. Last year, you have undrafted rookie free agent Andre Mintz, who made the active roster last season. And now you add Benito into that as well. And George Payton says he's got to get stronger to be able to set the edge, but they believe he can get there. He does have a lot of explosiveness to him, especially with his first step. I'm a big fan of this pickup here. And I don't think the expectation is that he's going to have to start right away. So I, I like the addition there. The Dulcich pick, Greg Dulcich out of UCLA, I, I think this has a lot of potential here for the Broncos in this offense as they look to open things up. It gives them another downfield threat, but this time at the tight end position alongside Albert O. So the first two picks with Denver in the draft, I think, have a lot of potential. And I think they'll probably be the primary focus going into the season. Now, you kind of mentioned with Nick Benito, of course, that he isn't the best at setting the eggs right now. And uh, they're, they're asking me a backup. But do you think that uh, might kind of 
put him not only as a backup this year, but even not the primary backup, not the first guy up, and that maybe the first guy up uh, behind Gregory and Chubb is going to be Baron Browning or Jonathan Cooper. Yeah, you know, Mace, I think that's certainly a possibility with them, too. And and even like Jonathan Cooper last season, what we saw from him, just his relentless motor, I think for him, he's got a lot that he's excited to improve on this upcoming season. I'm sure we'll see it in training camp. Uh, But I think it's going to be a loaded room. And I think that the Broncos and Ajiro Evero, if they really want to find a way to get creative in certain pass rush packages, third and long situations, I think they could put him in. Because one thing he even did at Oklahoma that was kind of surprising to me there were times that they'd put him outside on the edge, and then they'd stunt on the opposite side of the field, and they'd drop him back to be a spy. He'd be a QB spy if need be. So they could kind of game plan him depending on the opponent uh, in certain ways. But I don't think it would, it would be a harm of him to be a backup or even not even be the primary backup his rookie season. I think that speaks volumes to where this Broncos roster is at right now with just the amount of guys that they do have. But then again, as we've seen, the NFL training camp preseason, you're just an injury away from being able to be put into a position where you're going to have to maybe take on a little bit more than maybe you're ready for. I know everybody's talking about Benito and Dulcich. I get that, right? Two premium positions, if that's what you want to call it. A a tight end who can catch the ball. I mean, no one would have been overly crazy if he was just the best blocking tight end out there. And we've already talked about Benito. Give me a sleeper in this draft outside of round two and round three that you think could make a tremendous impact? Yeah, you know, I have my eye on a mantra, Washington, wide receiver out of Sanford. You know, for the Broncos, and Mason, you know, we can all attest to this watching the Broncos the last several years, special teams, there hasn't been any electricity. There hasn't been any flash. And we were all just at one point just excited a few years ago that the Broncos had a guy who could just field the punt. But now, you know, I think that fans are in a point where they want to see a guy who can return. And when I look at Montreal, Washington, One thing that stood out to me is he stepped up in a very big way in a big game against Florida. Now, obviously, it was a shootout of a game. It was 28-28 in the second quarter with seven minutes left until he sprung off a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, and he did it in congested traffic. But not only that, in that game, he had three rushes for 19 yards and a touchdown, 10 catches over 100 yards and a touchdown, and he even had a pass, one of one attempts and completions for 16 yards. And then, as we mentioned, five kick returns, I think, for over 179-yard total return yards. That is field-flipping position right there, and it gives the Broncos a little bit of a gadget player that maybe they could plug in behind K.J. Hamler as he gets, you know, as he's working his way back from ACL uh, surgery. Uh, but then in the return game, if he can really find a way to provide that spark and get the Broncos past mid, you know, midfield several times or maybe even – score once or twice, it is a huge boost for this team. He's kind of an under-the-radar guy, and, and I'm excited to see maybe how he responds in training camp. Are you concerned about him and his frame? I mean, it's, he's been alternately listed between 170 and 180 and 181 pounds. I mean, because he had that return against Florida on the kickoff where he really navigates through traffic well, but if he tries that in the NFL, the fate might not be quite the same <laughs> if, he's in, if, if he's in a thicket of players like that. Yeah, no, I think that's a valid concern anytime you get a guy who's a little undersized, uh, you know, being able to come into the NFL where you're playing against guys who are six foot five that can track you down uh, at any point. You know, he, he does take great angles. I think he's got great vision. There was a, a quote that I saw that he said that he doesn't fair catch the ball. He, he catches everything and he tries to make a return. I think in the NFL, I, I think Dwayne Stoops will probably say, hey, you know what, on the safe side, when you need to make sure you fair catch it. Because obviously in the NFL, as we see, 
hang time. Mace, you're, you're a big proponent of this as well. Mm-hmm. Hang time is important for opposing punters when you have a kick returner who has speed because it allows your gunners to get downfield. And I think that's exactly where the Broncos have to continue to improve on uh, is just that. So, yeah, I think that is a concern to follow for the Broncos. But you know what? I think the Broncos had a guy in Trenton Holiday at one point uh, that was a little undersized as well. Can he maybe fit that mold a little bit and give them that electricity that Dwayne Stukes is looking for? That's something I'm looking forward to seeing in camp. Well, it's funny because he was asked about that, the, the I own fair catch, and he said, yeah, that was college. It's the pros. It's going to be different. So I don't <laughs> think you have to worry about that. All right, real, I love it. Real quick, and we are talking with Cody Work. Thrilled to have him on board with Mile High Sports. Of course, he's going to be our Broncos insider and our analyst. You're going to hear him a lot on the show if, you know, if, if you know this goes well. If we decide to invite you back and um, if you want to come back anyway, uh, Cody, obviously great to have you as part of the team. I'm going to let Mace sell his point for 20 seconds. Then I'm going to sell my point for 20 seconds. We just had a conversation that Sam Howell was available in the fourth round. Mace believes the Broncos should have taken him. I believe they should not have. Mace, you can start it off. First of all, you need to. You are always looking to get better. Backup quarterback could be the most important position, depending on how things go for Russell Wilson. You, if he gets hurt like he did last year, you could need a quality backup. Here you have a guy who could, probably should have been a day two pick, fell well into day three. He's a probably a better backup than you have immediately. Certainly would be better a year from now. And then you don't have room for Russell Wilson to start. If Howell develops well, you can turn him into a third or a second round pick down the line by trading him much the same way the Packers used to do with the quarterbacks they'd bring in behind Brett Favre. I said 20 seconds. Does this mean now I get 30 seconds? Sure, go ahead. Okay, thank you. I think it would be a mistake to take him. One, uh, going into the draft, the Broncos only had four picks next year. They do have five, which is great. You have Russell Wilson, who's going to want a lot of money when his contract, not when his contract comes up. They're going to sign him in the next 365 days. I don't think you're going to have a lot of money to sign free agents next year anyway. Uh, Howell would not be playing at all with the first team. Um, the season's going to be over anyway if Russell Wilson uh, winds up getting hurt. And quite frankly, I have very little interest two, three years down the road trading a guy for a second-round pick or a third-round pick when you get a guy who can play right now and possibly make a difference. What, is, what you say you? Very fair point. No, yeah, don't do that. No, you got to pick a side. I don't, <laughs> I don't care if it's mine. You got to pick a side. Don't ride the fence. Well, and I'll say this too, in, in terms of Mace's point, and this may be where I lean with Mace's point here. Okay, you're done. It's been fun having you on, Cody. Let the man yep. speak. <laughs> I appreciate you. You know, for Mace's point, you know, as we did see with Russell Wilson last year with the injury, you know, Geno Smith came in was able to, you know, for a week or so, be able to manage things, but then teams started to figure it out. I do believe you you have to have a quality backup quarterback in today's day and age in the NFL. I don't think it matters if you have the defense or the roster you do, and I think that's something that Denver dealt with last season. You know, when Teddy started, the Broncos, they, they tried to find balance with the run game, the short passing game, and the defense was doing whatever it was doing. But then, you know, Teddy gets hurt, Drew comes in, and they still have offensive struggles. Because of that, it puts a lot of pressure on your defense. I, I think you need a guy that can come in, and, and obviously the hope and the expectation is that your starting quarterback never gets hurt, but you can learn along the way. And I think that's why the Broncos kept Brett Rippon on the roster this year, because he has a little bit of a knowledge of this type of system. He's smart, and many think that he has a future career in coaching when it's all said and done. 
But also at the same point, you look at Josh Johnson. He also stepped into a, a major role last year for the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets and was able to keep their offenses afloat a little bit despite the fact that throughout his career, I mean, he was drafted a year after we had, uh, you know, the, the 08s, the Ryan Clades, the Jack Williams, uh, you know, and the Wesley Woodyards of the Broncos. So he's been in the league a long time. I think he's benefiting from, uh, you know, Brett Rippon's benefiting from learning from Russ and for Josh Johnson. I think that's why the Broncos brought him back is because they maybe looked at this year's quarterback class, even in these runs, even though they had Russell, and said, hey, I don't know if there's a guy here that can be a backup that we necessarily want at this point in time or that would be available for whenever they had you know eyes on the capital there. So I think that's something to keep an eye on, maybe going into next year. Cody, great job. Really appreciate it. Tell everybody uh, how they can find you on Twitter. Absolutely. I'm, I'm on Twitter at Cody Work NFL, and obviously you can check out my work, Mile High Sports, beginning here in two weeks. Looking really forward to, to being down there, seeing you guys, and uh, obviously uh, providing a presence for Mile High Sports at Dove Valley every day. But uh, really grateful of you guys. Thank you so much for having me on, and uh, can't wait to get this thing started. And congratulations on your new A.J. Brown contract, which you're making $100 million. How much is that is guaranteed? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'd say probably about yeah, thirty-two million. We'll say that. Good for you. Well, you you're a hard negotiator with Nate. Good job. Thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Cody. Cody Rourke, our new Broncos insider. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the guys who absolutely trashed the Broncos draft. And do we agree with their assessments? Because if you want to make the case, they don't bring up awful points. That's next. I was broken from a young age, taking my soak into the masses, writing my poems for the few that look at me, took to me, shook at me, feeling me, singing from heartache, from the pain, taking my... Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, so excited to tell you about a new brewery in town, Windfall Brewing Company. They're in the Orchard Town Center, and they really have something for everyone. Check this out. 17 craft brews on tap, and that's just the beginning. Their new executive chef used to be the sous chef at Shanahan's, and I've had a lot of great stuff off their menu. I absolutely love their pan-seared salmon with charred broccolini. Their burgers are fantastic. They honestly have the best tomato soup I've ever had, seriously, and I'm not a big soup guy, and they serve it really small, grilled cheese crostinis as well if you're a big meat eater they have a hand butchered ribeye with a cabernet mushroom demi-glace their menu is nothing short of fantastic i'm telling you this is not bar food this is upscale high restaurant quality food and by the way while you're waiting this is a great place to take the kids for this reason 23 pinball machines they have pac-man golden tea all your favorite arcade games they've got it all craft brews great menu and fun games. Make it a day or a night at Windfall Brewing Company in Westminster. Time now for the buzz. 
The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. As we talked about earlier in the show, the reviews have been mixed about the Broncos. Uh, I'm talking about their draft, obviously. On NFL Network, one analyst gave them an A. We have two detractors right here. Well, but that Chad Ryder gave him an A, right? Yep. Uh, I think Chad Ryder's lowest grade for any team was C+. He tends to grade very positively. Okay, well, an A is an A. Yeah. All right? They, they could have gotten a lot an A of A's minus. given out on his scale. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, with that, Arif Hassan of The Athletic, um, he measures picks relative to their spots and evaluates drafts based on return from the picks. He has the Broncos ranked 30th out of 32. This is what he wrote. The Broncos did gain value with Nick Benito and Damari Mathis, but had one of the bigger losses of the night when they took Montreal Washington at 162, picks like Luke Wattenberg, and I'm going to get his name correct here, okay? I, I, I've been working on it, okay? I've been working on this guy's name. I'm sure you can say it perfectly, but now I'm going to try. Ioma Iwazariki. Iwazariki. No, Iwazariki. 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 But you can just call Ioma Iwazariki. He has a nickname. E-N-Y-I, pronounced any like the belly button any. That's Fasc- his nickname. Fascinating. Any. Tell us about uh, Warren Sharp, what he had to say about the Broncos. Warren Sharp cites the fact that seven of the Broncos, that the Broncos selections were picked an average of 60 slots before their actual draft position and cites that Montreal Washington in the fifth round, his expected slot was not anywhere in the top 326 prospects and he was, and he was picked at uh, 162. Of course, even if you take out Washington in his metric, Denver would have still ranked 26th of 32 teams. You buy this analysis? I get the that I get why they're doing it. You're trying what you're trying to do is you're trying to create something empirical based on judgment. The rankings are ultimately judgment, but by having multiple rankings as a source for this, you're trying to get a consensus, right? So you're trying to get something that is relatively empirical and say, all right, we're going by the value of each pick and this was X amount of slots above, X amount of slots slots below. And I think an instructive thing here is that by the same metric last year, the Broncos were judged to be fifth best in the league. Well, he was wrong because uh, George Payton was the executive of the year according to his peers. So he was wrong on that. that too he made him a, fifth. but That they, too is empirical because you're talking about the judgment of his peers. Well, that's important. Yeah. That is important. I, I hate this stuff. And almost the, the S word almost came out of my mouth. You are just looking for a job that makes you sound important with all your empirical sabermetrics data. Talking to me? Huh? Talking to me? Talking to them. Mm-hmm. Not you. You don't do this stuff. I'm like, deciding what they're like saying. They, no, no. I'm not referring to you. We're talking about these two clowns who are looking for a job and they just made one up. And now they get all kinds of clicks. At the end of the day, they're not evaluating talent. Are they? They're, they're evaluating where they think somebody might go. Well, that's a new twist. Where somebody might go. Okay. People have been doing this for the draft since since the 80s. I understand that. 
I understand that. But that's why, I mean, I th- at least if they were going by only one ranking, I think I'd dis- I would dismiss it. It's an, int- it's an interesting measurement. And I, but I, what I would like to see is how is if you take this and then you do something like the, um, uh, the, what they call the, the annual value, the AV ranking from pro football reference. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to see is if you take that, if you take these rankings and then three years down the line, what are the AV, what, what are the AVs of each pick? I think that's something that I, that I would like to dive into here with a little more time um, to see, to see if they match up, for example. You know what I'd like to see? Everybody likes to toot their own horn when they're right. Warren, why don't you show me all the times when you weren't? Why don't you put that out there? Because this is what you do. You tell people that according to your brilliant algorithm, that this is what you know. I tell you what, why don't you put out what you did three years ago? Because usually it takes about three years for a draft. I'd like to see that. But he's not going to put that out there. Actually, he he did in terms of... Um, Good. What does it say? Uh, like, like, for example, the 2020 draft, mm-hmm. number one was Arizona, mm-hmm. number two was Dallas, number three was Buffalo, number four was Cleveland, number five was New Orleans. The dr- okay. And that, that draft, the Broncos ranked 16th. Okay. Now, I would say... How about, how about those drafts? How, how good was uh, Arizona that year? I, they've, they've, used those, they've used those picks to become a playoff team last year for the first time okay. in, I believe, six years. Well, they have Kyler Murray. Who was, that, who was the previous year's draft? Okay, that's fine. And uh, D- Dallas, Dallas's draft two years down the line looks very good. Buff, so so does Buffalo's Cleveland, Cleveland less so. Uh, Cincinnati ranked sixth. I would say probably Cincinnati is you could argue is first because of Joe Burrow alone. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about Joe Burrow is I believe Joe Burrow there wouldn't have been any any, any draft capital value because they picked him first and the consensus was that he was going to go first. This is a 2020. Draft. The worst draft by the uh, by that metric, by the way, was the Raiders, and uh, that's actually pretty fair. Um, looking back on it, just again based on, on on my own observation of it. So I think it's I, I think it's like anything. I think it's going to be hit and miss. I think I think that it's going to prove to be right right on some, wrong or wrong on others. Well, I would love to see an article where where he wasn't right. I mean, at least give a little balance instead of always tooting your own horn when you're right. I'll give him this. 2020 draft, C.D. Lamb, Trayvon Diggs. Nailed it. Yeah. Well, the and Cow- that, was, that was Dallas number two, right? Well, that Cowboys nailed it there. Yeah. Neville Gallimore, what do you think of his game as a defensive tackle? Not how about, bad. How about Reggie Robinson? I'd have to look it up. Couldn't tell you off the top Bradley of my head. Bradley Ani. CD, but you just you, you just literally named a couple of star players and CD Lamb, CD Lamb, and Trey. And, and, and Trey I'm Ross. with you on that. Uh, th- those top two basically carry the entire draft, no matter what happened. Oh, yeah. Well, but maybe some guys were taken where, they, but that that's not how he's doing it. He's basing it on uh, where they were picked. He's not basing it on talent. He, he's ba- he's basing it on where. Well, usually where guys should have been talent. Typically, talent's going to reflect in, dra- in in where you end up being drafted. For the but most but part. Warren Sharp and the, this other guy from the Athletic, those are based on where guys should have been picked. Where a consensus of the rankings of players going into the draft. I got news for you, Trayvon Diggs, 
who was picked at 51, should have been a top five pick. Yeah. You know what? Cowboys blew it. Yeah, there are hits and misses. Or other teams blew it. Yeah, and, teams and, and, blew there, it. and every t- and look, every draft, there are going to be players that play above their draft slot, that play below their draft slot. What you're trying to do is over time, and that's why if you looking at general managers, you have to look at the big picture. You know, how many guys are playing above their draft, uh, above their draft position? How many are bargains? How many are busts? I mean, John Elway, for example, if El... Obviously, he had help from Brian Zanders those first two drafts. Where's he have the Ravens? But if John, El- if John Elway had walked away, yeah. uh, had walked away after the first couple of drafts, he would have been in great shape. But then we saw what happened in the following years. Do we know where the the Ravens are in this? Uh, I believe they're. I, I believe they're pretty high. They should be. Um, they're seventh. They should be one, or maybe the Jet are the Jets one. Because they had one hell of a draft. But then again, they had all those first round picks. The Jets are. Uh, Sixth. Sixth. You know who who number one is? Who? Carolina. You know why? Why? Matt Corral. Picking him in the third round when he was judged by many to be a late first, early second rounder. That was that was a that that was the single. That's a crazy. That was the single pick. That's a crazy metric. Carolina. How about based on talent? Green Bay, Kansas City, Raiders. Well, the rankings are believed to be perceptions of talent. Whose perception? The, various it, people making the rankings, and that's why. But that's why you're not taking one ranking; you're taking a consensus. I guess what my question is: Is he talking to executives who actually do this for a living? I think he's or putting the, out or the there Mel because Kiper it's interesting. Juniors I of think, the world, I think, who's in their basement in Baltimore. I think it's interesting to talk about. I, no, I'm not saying it's not interesting. I'm saying when you look at mock drafts, right? I talked to a longtime NFL executive. He laughs at those mock drafts. I'm sure they do. Right? Well, why don't you talk to the executives? Or does he not have their phone numbers? So he's he's going to take the opinion of the Mel Kuypers and Todd McShay. I mean, a lot of executives don't talk. Like well, we know, George, how do you make an We know George Payton keeps things close to the vest. He sure does. George Payton had a great draft. So we're going to so so this guy's going to criticize Payton's draft when he has a pretty strong track record with free agency, keeping the Russell Wilson trade under wraps, and last year's draft. He's basing on what a lot of people who are not in buildings believe. So-called experts, because they throw the word insider ahead of their first name, and suddenly that's what they become. Mel Kuyper Jr. should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm not joking when I say that, for making the draft what it is. He has added value to the NFL like very few have, and I give him credit for And now he's not even at the draft in person anymore. Right, because he's in his basement in Baltimore. Because he didn't get the vaccine. We don't. We were not going to go there. But that's why he wasn't at the draft this year. Right. Right. That's All a right. fact. <laughs> Your voice just changed. We deal in facts here, right? Yes. We, well, I don't. You do. I'm not going to let the facts get in the way of a good story. I'll tell you what I, facts. I, I am not going to do that. Coming up after the break, Broncos currently have five picks in next year's draft. George Payton said he plans on making sure they're going to be a lot more. How is he going to get there? We'll talk about that next.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber, the public at RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Low T99. Testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to LowT99.com. All right, the Broncos currently have five picks in next year's draft. George Payton said on Saturday, we will have a lot more than that. I guarantee it by the time the draft comes around, and we know that George Payton likes to throw as many darts as possible. He was able to get a third-round pick from the Colts uh, over the weekend, I should say, uh, by trading out of the 96th spot. With that, uh, he tried to do more, but he said it just didn't work out. So no compensatory picks coming. How do you think? Peyton gets it done. I think there are going to be some trades happening during a training camp. Excess players, excess positions. Like, for example, um, they pick, of course, Jake Wattenberg out of Washington, interior offensive lineman. Right. Somebody who is very well suited in terms of size and skill set to zone blocking. Like, in fact, kind of a a classic zone blocking interior offensive lineman. Right around 300 pounds, so compared to a lot of other offensive linemen, undersized, uh, quick and smart, right? So I would not be surprised to see at least one interior offensive lineman with, with starting experience shopped around. I'd say another position would be Mal- I, Malik Reed, I think, will be shopped around too. Okay, so just for fun, who do you think will be shopped on the offensive line? Because I have an idea, but who do you think? I think Lloyd Cushenberry might be shopped. I do too. You think Reisner might be shopped? Potentially, yeah. He's, Although he's a fan favorite, he's not a fan the, favorite. But that being said, this is a scheme that should suit him. Yeah. However, as we learned last week from talking to Quinn Miners, he's working on getting the belly down a little bit to be ready for what this outside zone scheme requires of its offensive line. We know he he has the power ability. We know that he's got the ability to make blocks in space. He adapts well. He's going to start. He's got three years of team control contractually. Dalton Reisner only has this year. You have Graham Glasgow in the mix. The Broncos brought him back early in the offseason. So... That was with intent. How right? nimble is he? He he's not he's not nimble as much as he's smart. Well, just because you're smart doesn't mean your feet move at the same rate as your brain. No, but you're expecting that he can make the transition. What do you think? They would look. They look. They could have easily cut Graham Glasgow sure. and save money. It says a lot that they chose to restructure him. So, they wouldn't have restructured him if they didn't see him as a fit. So Malik Reed, if you're fortunate, nets a fourth. Is that fair? Oh, I think you're talk with these trades. You're talking about six or seven. Yeah, you'd be lucky to get a five. Right. Lucky. I don't. I think this is not about getting high level draft capital. 
the and and the only way you're getting a pick higher than you have right now is if you take those two thirds that you have and you move up, or if Bradley Chubb has a big season, but they don't want to give him a long term deal because Sign of the injury trade. history, and then you do a tag and trade. Yeah. Other than that, the Broncos probably are not picking before pick 85 because right now the betting favorite to win the AFC South is that Indianapolis Colts team whose third round pick you acquired on Saturday so didn't pick until 64 this past year or this past weekend odds are your first pick is going to be 20 to 25 picks later than that whether it's the Broncos pick or the Colts pick, because I think it's fair to expect both the Broncos and Colts to be playoff teams this coming year. And to a conversation we had earlier in the show, if your highest pick is going to be 85 and not 64, yeah. and what what's 80, 85 is a late third-round pick, right? that's why I don't use a fourth-round pick on Sam Howell. I need to get as much value out of guys who can help us now. Not not a guy who I might be able to trade in three years. I get that, but that's kind of that that's more short term thinking that you than you necessarily want to have, especially when Uazarike, who you could say that Broncos picked instead of Sam Howell, is probably a guy who's gonna need a year or two to be really ready to contribute on and potentially contribute on an extensive extensive base. I don't Uazarike probably does not help you as more than a lower rotational guy right now. And in fact, probably one of them where there may be a competition there to be that last guy with a jersey between a Wazirike and the guy they picked in the sixth round out of Wisconsin, Matt Henningsen, who isn't, a, who actually, it was not as productive in terms of, in terms of sacks and TFLs last year, but actually, has better athletic testing numbers and might translate a little bit better. With those two, you're hoping one of those two becomes a guy who's a solid rotational part. Right. What do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Well, last hour we talked about NBA playoffs, and we also had John Michael Lyles to discuss the Avalanche's first-round matchup with the Predators. We'll talk about some of the other NHL playoff series here. Uh, Go and listen to that segment with John Michael Lyles if you missed it. It's up on Twitter now and on the Mile High Sports Best of MHS. You can find it there, and tune in after the break to hear about the other matchups going on this evening right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. I wish it was cool in me, but so far has not been good. It's been heated, and I feel awkward as I should. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Mason. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. 
If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Wicker. You need to see why Westward named it the best wicker store in Denver, five years running. Or order online at ArgonautWicker.com. Just in case you missed it, NHL playoffs are officially underway. We uh, had John Michael Lyles to talk about the Avalanche first round matchup with the Predators in the last hour of the show. And right now, there is a game going on between the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. That one tied at zero still. Game going on between the Tampa Bay Lightning and Toronto Maple Leafs, also tied at zero. And the two other games this evening, the St. Louis Blues at the Minnesota Wild, the LA Kings at the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Your thoughts on these four playoff matchups in the first round of the NHL playoffs. Man, it's a kind of testament to the the, the depth and quality of the East that you have uh, any of these four teams could be could could be a legitimate Stanley Cup champion. Right. Um the one th- I mean the Lightning have the most cre- have have the mo- have uh, obviously the back-to-back tiles. The Lightning to me look like a tired team right now and I think that's two Stanley Cup runs one that went all the way to the end of September in the co- in in 2020, one that went deep into July in 2021. They look like a team that the compressed schedules of, of COVID and those two deep runs look throughout the year, especially the last month and a half, like a team that it's finally caught up to them a little bit. They look like they have tired legs. I don't see them making a run. I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto uh, wins this series in six or seven games. The Hurricanes, I think, will beat, will take care of the Bruins. Yep. The Hurricanes. They're really good. They are. I actually think they're going to come out of the East, not the Panthers. Wouldn't and, surprise me at all. Yeah, Panthers are really good. But the, I, 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 the, the Hurricanes play such a physical game yeah. that when they're rolling, and we even saw it last year at times in the playoffs when they they got to the second round, they make it seem like one goal is an impossibility when they when when they get their game play. It that when they get their game going, it translates very well to playing playoff hockey. If I'm the Avs, I would not want to see the Hurricanes. I was about to say, translates very well to playing the Avalanche. Yes. Right. They could. They can neutralize the Avs. Right. I agree. In the playoffs. Now, they did light them up a couple weeks ago. But playoff hockey is different. Right. Just in case you missed it, Tennessee's Ben Joyce set the record yesterday for the fastest pitch in college baseball history with a 105.5 mile per hour fastball. He broke his own record of 104 from March and was just shy of Aroldis Chapman's MLB record of 105.8 miles per hour from 2010. Have pitchers maxed out their speed or do you think with some time maybe we'll see pitchers inching closer to 110 miles per hour? You know, people thought the four-minute mile was impossible, right? There there does come a point where uh, where any, and we're kind of at that point with like the hundred yard dash, for example, and and other things. I think one ten might be out of reach. Um, but I do think there's a little bit more we can see. Training, in terms of velocity. fitness, new techniques. It, these kids are going to get stronger. These kids are going to have better technique. What I would want to know, this kid out of Tennessee, how good is his breaking ball? 
because if this kid can dot a 85-mile-per-hour slider to complement that fastball, same arm slot, mm-hmm. uh, then this kid becomes unhittable. As long Now, if he has only two pitches, he's a relief pitcher, probably a closer. I don't know how many pitches he has. I mean, eventually, batters will catch up to a 105-mile-per-hour fastball. Eventually, they will. It's hard to do. Don't get me wrong. It's hard to do. But if this kid could throw in an off-speed yeah. pitch, wow, that'd be devastating. Well, that's the key thing. I was watching uh, I was watching Spencer Strider of the Braves uh, last week. He's a reliever, and he routinely gets north of 100 on the gun, right? Mm-hmm. But he throws a fastball. He doesn't have a second pitch right yeah. now. Wow. And you could see, like, after... You ever see the movie Major League? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, a- after a while, you start timing it. Right. And that's it. Right. And that's it. You tee off. Just in case you missed it, Tyron Matthew and the New Orleans Saints agreed to a three-year, $33 million deal after Kansas City chose not to re-sign the All-Pro safety. The new contract brings Honey Badger back to the state where he had a stellar college football career. What factors do you think played into Matthew finding a new home a little bit later in the uh, cycle here for free agents than some other, dare I say, less accomplished free agents? He wanted to go to New Orleans, and New Orleans said we're going to wait till the draft. And they didn't get the guy that they wanted to fill Matthew's spot. I'm guessing he probably took a little bit of a discount to play at home. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of people out there that believe the Saints are going to be a really good team, really, really good team with Jameis Winston as the quarterback because they have a lot of complimentary pieces. Well, they were 5-2 and two last year in the seven games Jameis Winston started. His QBR, I think, uh, ESPN QBR was top ten. His passer rating was north of 102. I got to tell you something, Mace. And that, and I, there, there are logical reasons why they look at their situation and say, "Hey, if J- Jameis had not gotten hurt, we were a play- we are a playoff team." The thing is, how good of a coach is Dennis Allen? Is that's what this comes down right. to? Because the genius walked out the door, right? And Sean Payton. I'll tell you something. A lot of people made fun of and mocked Jameis Winston. When he said he got LASIK. Remember? It made a difference. He it was, made a... He was a much more accurate quarterback last That's year. right. That's right. People mocked him. Oh, getting LASIK. Maybe that'll cut down on your receptions. Well, apparently that LASIK helped a lot. By the way, and this is just like New Orleans does this voodoo work with a salary cap. Right, even before the Tyron Matthew co- contract... Last next year, they were already projected to be $32.8 million over the cap for 2023. Already. And yet they're going to squeeze Tyron Matthew in. I mean, the, the what they pull off with the cap, they are they are the team that justifies those who say the cap isn't real. Right. Uh, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed it, Argonaut always has great specials. And here are a few Australian and New Zealand wines and sake. All 15% off. Don't forget, Argonaut delivers, and all deliveries are over 100 bucks. or deliveries, excuse me, over $100 are free. Stop by Argonaut today on Colfax to see why. Whether you live in the city or you work in the city and you're driving home, stop by Argonaut. See why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver five years running. Go to ArgonautLiquor.com. That's going to do it for us. Danny and Alex, fantastic job as always. Mace, same with you. You too. Yeah, you worked hard this weekend on the draft. I'll try and do better tomorrow, make the best possible night you can.